You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Paul Pierce is the mother truth. Knocks it down! Celtics win! 50 points for Jason Tatum! Brad, any final words of advice for the new coach? Win! It is possible! It is possible! Hello, hello, and welcome back to Celtic Strong! It is a playoff wrap-up finals preview episode! That is right. Against all odds. And in two seven-game series, the Boston Celtics are going to the NBA Finals! Wow. There isn't much more to say than everything and anything that comes to our minds because so much just happened and somehow the Celtics stayed together and they got the exact amount of wins they needed, 12, to get to the NBA Finals. And now we're back not only with Steve, but our two friends, Justin and Corey, to once again dive into all things Celtic Strong. Yeah! Yeah, so everyone say hi. Hello. Everyone listening, get ready. For another fun episode of Celtic Strong. This time, we've got to pick up where we left off because Steve was coming in hot last time with the takes. And he wanted the Brooklyn Nets. And he said, F the Nets. And here we are. <laughs> we got him. And we effed him. We got him. Yeah, we effed him. We definitely effed the Nets. Dude, Steve, we effed them so much that like they're into the ether now. Nobody's talking about the Nets for six weeks. That's how much we we effed them. Not even Kevin Durant is talking to the Nets. Supposedly, <laughs> apparently yeah. he's 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 off that. Like, that's uh, how little is being talked about. That that's yeah. what's being talked about. <laughs> Not <Right>. talking. <laughs> wow. <sighs> I don't know what you guys. You know, it seems so far to go back now, but I don't know what you guys still 
remember other than the really obvious and salient moments, the game one ending to start um, just being such a turn of the tides in many ways. Not that we necessarily thought the Nets had much of a chance. However, until you see the Celtics beat them four games in a row, you kind of can't believe it because it is still the Nets, right? It is still KD. So what do you guys remember of that series aside from that moment? Well, it's cool to, I'll just jump in real quick. It's cool to look back at that series in retrospect because of how intense the past two (laughs) series have been and how kind of excruciating it was to get through. And it's hard to argue with the result, but it was like, it had this feeling of it was the skin of our teeth getting to the finals here. And and, uh, I know everyone listening to this and the four of us, obviously, we just feel like we've really been through something like been through the fire, been through this huge experience to get to this moment where this team, this lineup is playing in the NBA finals. So totally pumped about how they seemingly really just dominated the nets for my, for me, it wasn't too much of a surprise because of how disorganized they were. And I think the reality of, you can't do it the way the Nets set out to do it this year with the dysfunction and everybody not playing at the same time. It's just, you can't do that. <laughs> and I think it was proven in that first round. What did you guys think? Yeah, I mean, de- I definitely agree with that. Um, I do think the Nets series, there's a weird kind of like the Nets series versus the Bucks and the Heat is that the Nets series, every game it, within the game was really intense, right? Yeah. Like game one where they... You know, that Easter game where I was freaking out. Um, there's that game that they were down 14 and just looked like the subject just looked horrible. So within the games, they were all super intense. But in between the games, there was like a this sense of confidence and calm of like, we're better than the Nets. We're pulling these games out. We ha- we're in control of this series. Whereas the Heat and Milwaukee's uh, series, the games sometimes were less intense. The, towards the end of the series of Milwaukee and Miami, obviously they got more intense. But but there were a lot of blowouts. There was a lot of like very clear from the start of the game. Okay, Celtics are in control. I can just sit back, throw down a couple of Budweiser's and have a great night watching this game. Um, but in between those games, there was so much dread because the Celtics had no control of either of those two series. They were on their back foot the whole time. And you really didn't have any idea of where it was going. So it was kind of like this weird like like shift of where the tension was for those two series, for all those series. Yeah, 100%. And I think that like, with the with the net series in particular like they there were a lot of close games and there was like even though we swept them there was like this this feeling of like like almost like imposter syndrome like psychologically i still felt like they had this weird like little bit of an advantage with this with this arrogance and this confidence that they they brought to the court every night and like durant not and irving but obviously we we handled it we, we were resilient through it and that's been the theme of the of these playoffs man it's just resilience uh, grit, determination, toughness, but there were, have, have been moments where we've lost sight of that and we've sort of been a little suspect and a little like, like weak-minded, to be honest with you. Like, you know, and that's something I think that we need to adjust and, and moving forward against the Warriors because the thing is, the Warriors have been there. And I don't know if this is on Eli's agenda, I might be getting ahead of myself, but we need to mentally 
know that we are the shit and we can handle this and and we have the skill we have the, the you know we have the um the ability to to beat anyone in the league but it's like we'll have these bipolar moments where we just slip into this like prior to january like approach of just like settling for threes um you know not helping on defense or like there's just these moments where just we'll just slip so well Fletch, i do I, one thing i do want to say about that yeah that yeah i agree with that we did there were a, some mental lapses especially i think in the turnovers really was a big one uh in the games we lost to miami but i, I do think you're underselling how tough-minded milwaukee and miami are as teams yeah uh, true like you're 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 going through the defending champion and then a, a team that their whole thing is that they're just tough, right? Um, so there was always going to be some point in those series where we were pushed mentally. Uh, and there was always going to be a time where maybe we were a little out toughed or, or we did kind of lose a little bit of focus because comparatively, the focus of those two teams were is one of their strengths. Yes. Yeah, and they have veteran leadership in a way that the Celtics got you know, from where they have it, which is smart and the return of Horford and his emergence. And I think oh, man. earlier in the season, you know, Horford's just come back, right? And he's getting like reintegrated after basically sitting out for, you know, Oklahoma City after the Philly debacle. And so it's kind of like it's going to take some time. And then his emergence on, you know, both ends – and in the absence of Rob, which is something to remember about the, you know, Nets series is coming in. Everyone was like, oh, they don't have Rob Williams. How are they going to stop KD? And I was like, Al Horford and Grant Williams. That's how they're going to. And Jason Tatum actually is going to guard him most of the time. And those guys are just going to help. And you're like, holy shit, this team is really an amazing, amazing defensive team. But, you know, coming back to the net series, right. And bring this all back to that. And that first series, it's like, do they have the maturity, toughness, you know, imposter syndrome, all that stuff, like what's going to happen, you know, next round. And then inevitably you're going to get Miami, the ultimate, as you were saying, you know, kind of toughness mindset, not going to fuck up, going to, you know, pick on your weaknesses team. And, in that Nets series, I think even with close games, the fact that they did sweep them and then it was just over. And all I really remember of the Nets was like Ben Simmons's outfits and <laughs> they just didn't have enough, obviously. And so, you know, without, you know, Simmons playing or Harden there or Joe Harris or like they just had undersized guards and KD and that was really it. And obviously that wasn't enough at all. No surprise there, but the fact that they did end up taking all four in a row was surprising, I think. Yeah. yeah. And they, one thing yeah. to point out too from that, not only with that sweep, but when you look at the very end of that game one with the last second layup, the 11 second possession with Marcus finding Jason Tatum for that last second layup win. I feel like when you talk about teams, especially that are kind of like underdog teams that go all the way, there has to be moments like that, that really set the tone, like 
that happening really wrote the script for that four game sweep of that first series and then added something to this the story of the of of what's happening with them this year so i just wanted to kind of highlight that as for me really special moment that we can look at when you talk about some of the things that justin brought up around some of their early season habits creeping in um you could definitely be critical of some of the focus when you talk about turnovers and the ball handling um of jason i'm sorry of jalen yeah specifically like you know that maybe this process of what they all refer to as getting over the hump going into the finals if there can be a real emphasis from them on focus and cleaning up those aspects then i think they have a real shot yeah and like i just jump in and just say like uh Beyond ben, ben Simmons, Tyler Hero's bits on the sideline were he- horrible. Um, <laughs> and then also, just to just to actually pick up on your point there, I think that I would like for this round, what we've been really great at doing is adjusting and recovering after losses, right? That being said, sorry, based on round two and three. That being said, I think that just going into this round, it's like, how can we be proactive so that we don't have to adjust and like make up for an L? Like, how can we just be the dominant, like the dominant team from the jump? How can we set the tone like we did in round one, you know? And like, um, and I think that's going to come down to like the game plan. Like, for example, we know the Warriors are going to go small, right? There's going to be times where it's like Draymond um, and then, and then four guards or whatever, you know, just that classic Warriors formula. And it's like, you know, like how, how do we like chess, chess battle that, you know, like how do we get three steps ahead of that? Like, um, and, and stay, keep up with them because they're going to be running and running and running and running. And like, we got a great, great D and everything. And like we, and then, and then how do we, so anyways, the the point I'm trying to make is I just, I think the key to this round is going to be proactivity as opposed to reactions, as opposed to adjustment. Like it's just, it's too, it's too risky of a, a life like and he may prove himself to be incredible at it um obviously but it could have gone the other way easily but i love yeah. that you have no interest in retrospect you're just straight diving <laughs> let's talk about the warriors the past i'm excited past. Corey. i'm excited man <laughs> we're two days away like i don't have too much time to like reminisce on like mm. rounds that ultimately don't matter i just want the chip i don't want i don't want right. like i don't want an eastern conference championship like I want, I want, I want it all. Like I, I got a taste. I, I, you know, I got a taste. I got my 2008 is all I have to like look back on. And I want it all. I want it all this year. This is the window. This is the time. Like, cause really, if you look at it, this, obviously they could regroup and come back next year and do well and everything. But it's like, you know, Horford's contracts up for grabs. Um, there's a few of like the, you know, Jalen and Jason, they're, they're starting to get towards, towards the renegotiation of their long-term deals and uh, uh smart just re-up recently but like you never know it's just like who knows when it's gonna all fall in line you know yeah. like there were also things that fell for us really nicely guys like yeah like beyond just the you know the round one injuries with the joe harris and stuff it's like chris middleton middleton, middleton yeah. yeah that was my big question yeah. first of all i love the energy sorry um, yeah i'm, Justin, I'm on the same there. i'm on the same page 
And I feel like Al Horford's also on the same page. <laughs> like <laughs> there's anyone who is going to go to some other kind of sp- like spiritual space to win this thing. It's Al Horford. He's already shown he is not messing around and he wants this. And so I feel like that's this incredible driving force for all these younger guys. And Marcus Smart too, you have to say to a certain extent has really shown up for this team this year and in this moment of the, of the playoffs overall. Um, I did want to say with, or ask as in regards to looking back, just the second round against Milwaukee, given everything that this team did overcome and all the adjustments they made and coming back and winning on the road each time, if Milwaukee had Middleton, I'm sort of of the mindset that they still would have pulled it out, that they still, there was enough inside for them to overcome that. And the question is, I kept hearing like, well, with they have no excuse to not win without Middleton, but and then it always brought up this the question of like, well, what what would happen? What would have happened, or what would happen if Middleton was in this series? And I feel like they had enough in the tank going into that round two that they could have met that. Met, well, match. a world you guys with uh, a healthy Middleton is not a world we live in. So <clears throat> if they get a healthy Middleton, we get a hundred percent Rob Williams no meniscus tear, Rob Williams. And then I think we take it even quicker than seven. Potentially, because you just don't know. But what we do know is that Al Horford not only took on Giannis night after night defensively, but dunked on his head and let him know about it in probably a series-defining, if not playoff-run-defining moment of like, I know you're the champ and you think you're the best player in the NBA right now, but you still feel a forearm in your fucking back (laughs) or wherever hit him. And that was certainly a tone setter. And, you know, think about coming out of that first round and going toe to toe with Giannis where you're always just dreading, you know, him taking over for the wrong part of the game but I do think that despite the Middleton injury or any other speculation, Al Horford is why they beat Milwaukee, if not Miami as well. But certainly Milwaukee, you saw Giannis late in a lot of the key games, and he's just panning. He's just blowing out there, and he's dead tired. And it was Grant Williams as well, for sure. Um, but Rob hasn't been that healthy. And that's something we could certainly, you know, touch yeah. on and a key point going into the finals for sure. I do want to say something about Rob, though. I believe it was game four. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Corey definitely knows. Rob came back, I believe, in game four. And, like, his presence alone really changed the trajectory of that game. Um, and I want to give him credit for that because as, as injured as he is, like, he his defensive presence – totally changed a very pivotal game four um because i believe uh, so miami won game one and three right and we won two and four and five i believe help me here yeah yeah two yeah. four and five so but 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 the game four is like that was like a really important moment that rob really stepped up and if so so eli are you saying his meniscus is torn i guess that wasn't even well it's a bone bruise now is what they're saying. Okay. But the torn meniscus, they're saying 
it's it's that's what put him out at the end of the season. Yeah, that's what put him out. Especially torn meniscus. Oh, right, right. Of course, surgery. surgery. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then just specifically in the Milwaukee series, right? Like he wasn't healthy enough to guard Giannis at all. Even when he was out there in the Milwaukee series, he was like, he was moving bulky, you know. Um, And no, Miami series, absolutely. Like some of the threes he blocked. And mm-hmm. the announcers was one of the good things about, you know, the best NBA announcers pick up on the little things that people do on both sides of the ball that are really extraordinary. And yeah. they picked up on the way that he challenges like into the paint. He shows in the paint and then closes and blocks three pointers. Yeah. yeah. And to still be able to do that in the Miami series, he has to like, at least be a modicum of healthy, you know, in the Rob that we need him to be. Right. And I just remember him being like, uh, you know, really, really equalizing um, Bam, who had had a huge game three. And pardon yeah. me, because remember, right. we're not experts. Right? <laughs> we're not so, experts. Here. Okay. So so don't expect any actual like, object, objectively factual information. But I, I will say, I remember vaguely, um, you know, him just equalizing Bam and then also Jimmy attacking the paint and Jimmy, because Jimmy, what what a brilliant, like, let's, let's take a second and really recognize Jimmy's brilliance. What a force, man. Man, I love watching him play. I don't love watching him beat my team, but like, he is a great fucking player, man. And like, in that game, which again, I feel like was very pivotal because um, we were down two to one. Yeah. And, uh, and, and Rob coming back just psychologically, clogging that paint and just being like, no, don't, don't come in here. And, and Jimmy and Bam were equalized in that game. And we took it, um, uh, 102 to 82, you know, it was like, I'm looking at it now. So I, there is factual information there. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, man, Rob, like, I just feel like if Rob could show up and be that, cause, cause, cause Golden State can run guys. Are we, are we can we talk about Golden State yet? We're almost there. We, okay. we can, I'm, I'm gonna show. I'm gonna We're about show. to wrap up. Let's just wrap up the. the... <laughs> uh, yeah, like just thinking about. I mean, I think I think Milwaukee was always going to be a tough series from Rob for Rob, even if he was healthy. He doesn't necessarily match up with with Giannis as well as Al or, or Grant. Like right. uh, just that upper body physicality that 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 Giannis has. Um, yeah, I think Miami was tailor-made for Rob. Um, and you could tell how much he was hurting game seven. He only played like, you know, maybe 19, 18, 19 minutes in that game. It was the only game where he looked hobbled. Like, like, yeah. and that's the thing, like 80% like he of He shouldn't Rob, have been out there probably. Yeah, he probably should have. And that was the, I think, um, you made the first thing he said was respect for Rob in the locker room. He was like, they're getting together. He said, respect for Rob for playing hurt, respect for Marcus for playing hurt. You know, he called that out right away. Um, so clearly they were, he was hobbled in that one, but yeah, 80% of Rob is still blocking three pointers. You know, I mean, I think that's, that's kind of what's like, he's still an athletic freak on one leg. Um, And I'm really, uh, you know, I know we're not quite on golden state yet. Really curious to see how he matches up against golden state, because it is, it is a real unknown about like how Rob is going to match up against a a perimeter team that moves and, and forces you to switch a lot. Um, and you know a small team that's more finesse and physicality. So we'll we'll see how yeah. how that is too. Well, we can only hope he will block a bunch of three point shots. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, his health dependent 
And yeah, as we sort of, you know, get through the Miami series without dwelling on it too much so we can talk about Golden State, I think his his impact on, you know, that game four and others and moreover, just like that, even if it's not every game in the series, the games he's out there and has that spring and is turned loose defensively in the paint. There was some quote, you know, going into the playoffs about how the Celtics couldn't win without him. And it was like, obviously there was the Bruce Brown one, but there was a different one just about how like, he's the only, he's the only player like in the East that people fear in the way they fear. Cause he just sneaks up. He's so freaky in the way he blocks shots. But yeah. He has a unique, unique skill set. Oh, Hey, isn't that that uh, Liam Neeson movie? <laughs> Take it. Rob, Williams, Sorry, Rob Williams, the time Lord has a unique skill set. His unique skill set that no one else on the Celtics has. And what you didn't see enough was the lobs to him and especially late in the series. And that's where the health worries really come and into play. There were some failed attempts too, which was rare to exactly. see from him. You know, it's exactly. like he usually will catch that and bang that. And like, who knows if the passes were off or whatever, but it's like, there's clearly something off, you know, something but still hurt there. I wonder if just like this solid chunk of, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, hopefully that three day, you know, really, cause it was every other game. I'm sure you guys were yeah. all hip to hip to how, how fucking brutal this schedule With was. They played, yeah. they played like 14 games in like 28 days. I, I something crazy like that, you know, yeah. um, not experts. Um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> sorry, but yeah, man, I hope that, uh, I hope they can recover a bit this week and, um, and hit game one. Uh, yeah. I, cause someone's yeah. So, yeah. I hope so too. And you know, enough can't be said about Marcus and sort of the injury he overcame. And I'm sure everyone listening who watched that in real time oh. is like, he's done. He's clearly done yeah. for the rest of the yeah. playoffs. And he came back and I, I honestly don't really know how he did it. I have no idea. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it and was. So I'm, I'm hoping that this rest period for him, I feel like it's actually more important to that he comes in right or better into this series and we get like as close to 100% of him. I would agree because it's like, yes, we need, we love Rob and we need Rob, but like we need ball handling, especially yeah. against Clay and Steph and Draymond. Like these guys are different. Like, like these guys will pick your pocket and like Marcus yeah. is, he's the one real reliable option with handling the ball. Um, there's others who can, you know, Pritchard and, and white uh, hopefully can hold down some of the point guard duties. Um, but like, yeah, Tatum, Tatum and Brown, like they've been, they've been a little iffy with the, with the rock guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, um, with, uh, with Marcus too, he's, he's so important. Uh, Regarding their perimeter guys too, like I think he defensively in this series. I mean, I know it's silly to say that to even have to say this because he's the defensive player of the year. But defensively in this series, he is the most important player on the team, um, more than Rob, more than Al Horford, um, you know, more than Jalen, who who I think had an underrated good defensive series. Um, you know, one on one at times against Jimmy Butler, I thought he did really well. Um, but defensively, it's it's really Marcus is really really important. To fighting through those screens and staying on Curry's hip as much as he can. Right, right, right. Yeah. 
And then, and then, um, and I also think Grant is going to be really important. Um, I, I saw him have really brilliant moments defensively on the perimeter, um, especially in that last heat game, um, where he, he was, he was very, 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 uh, very, very important in, in guarding the perimeter, um, which the heat didn't really have great perimeter players. Um, their guards weren't, you know, but we're gonna, we're about to face some of the best perimeter players of all time. I like to just to say it bluntly mm-hmm. and they've, they've been there. Um, not experts, but I think I saw 140 something times they've been to the finals, um, combined, like, you know, and, uh, we've been zero. So it's yeah. just yeah. putting out harsh realities here, boys, but yeah. so we're going to need, Absolutely. Grant. yeah, we're going to need Grant to come out to the perimeter. We're going to need Marcus to do his thing on the perimeter, hopefully with strong, strong ankles. And, um, and and everyone else is gonna have to step up. I think Pritchard has a role here too. I do, man. Like he 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 had little flashes of appearances. Um, he barely got played against Miami. Um, but I think he'll match up well against some of the smaller uh, Warrior guards. And and you know, yeah. And if we're gonna yeah, be running, you know, he can catch. He can shoot. Absolutely. He can, yeah. Yeah. We, they need to get him some minutes. And I think so. Keeping the rotation now, a little. Yeah. yeah. Now that we're fully on this matchup. This final can we talk yeah, about it? Right. I feel like we're here. And and I guess the one thing I want to ask you guys, because we did kind of reference the Warriors from 1415 when we were talking about the Celtics this year and the sort of run that they were on or what their trajectory was. I was curious if you could speak a little bit about the Warriors team that we're facing right now versus what they were and the unique challenges and opportunities that that presents. One of the things I think, so first of all, kind of underrated about the Warriors is that they are an elite defense this year. Um, they, I think they're the number two defense all year. Um, they've been a little bit shaky in the playoffs, um, but that's a lot of matchup based. Um, so they're, they're, their defense actually was more impressive during the season than their offense. Playoffs, their offense has stepped up. Um, a difference between those earlier Warriors team that I've seen, and I haven't watched too many Warriors games. They're on late, and I got enough Celtics games to watch that I kind of am at my fill sometimes. Uh, but it's a clay is not the clay from pre-injury. Um, and I think that's one of the things that uh, my cat's about to make a cameo. Yes. <laughs> um, that's one of the things I think that when people think about the mystique of the Warriors, they think the Splash Brothers. Um, Clay is, is a very good offensive player. He's, he's not like one of the top shooters of all time anymore. Um, but Jordan Poole is a really good, like, uh, beautiful cat. He's like, he's like the bridge right there that, that can be that third splash brother. And so that's the guy I'm a little afraid of is, um, is Poole for, for being able to, to like pick up the slack with Clay doesn't may not have right. this. And Wiggins, yeah. man, you know, Wiggins, um, He's he's inconsistent, but when he's on, he's on, and he can be very effective. Um, I mean, he's a, he was an all star, mm-hmm. and then he fell off in the second half. But now he's like he he had a few big games recently in the playoffs, and he yeah. he's a scary scary uh, perimeter player. Or he's like a two or a three, right? He's like a three. Uh, yeah. But yeah, and like you know, uh, a wing. He's a strong wing, and uh, yeah, you know, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to step up and, and handle handle business with him and Kaminga. You know, he was guarding uh, Luca last series too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you think about that versatility to have someone like him to guard, you know, Tatum or Brown, 
Um, and, you know, so not only like our matchups defensively on them, but the guys they can throw at us. Now, Clay, once again, reduced on both ends of the court, but to have Wiggins at like six, eight, you know, just a freak former number one overall pick, you know, athletic freak, strong, Mm -hmm. you know, super quick, high jump still. So yeah, it'll be great to see both sides, two defensive teams and defensive first teams ultimately through the regular season, even though think of the Warriors as splash brothers, shooters, et cetera. Draymond really like isn't even an offensive uh, force anymore. Not that he was per se. No, he barely shoots. Um, he barely doesn't really shoot. shoot anymore. He's just like a facilitator and leader of the defense. And so it'll be interesting to see what the Celtics do. Obviously, yeah. shades uh, of him in Grant Williams' game to some degree, though very different stages and players. Um, so who knows? how much they match up or, you know, with Draymond playing four a lot in lineups with Looney. Yeah. Um, you'll see, you know, him match up on Tatum a lot, of course. And I think if Draymond is the guy tasked with trying to stop Tatum primarily, which seems like a fit, right? Draymond's like six, eight, six, nine, former defensive player of the year. That's going to be an amazing matchup, and it'll be interesting to see if Tatum uh, then like guards him on the other end, which is almost like hiding Tatum in a way. Um, so that'll be really great. There's a lot of really intriguing matchups, and I think you know the Jordan Poole thing is going to be interesting if he, depending on the minutes and timing, if he's like matched up with White, could actually be a great matchup as well because both of those guys are super talented and D White's defense has been super yeah. Good can and we consistent. can we take a quick second to recognize Derek White in general? Like I was pretty I was pretty like off him, uh, you know, and he's he's starting to figure it out. And game because, six of the Miami yeah, series, major contributor man. to the Miami series. The D White game couldn't have done it without. Too bad him. they lost that yeah. at home. Yeah. Those fucking dicks. <laughs> yeah, and, and part of it, part of Can't it was one for D White. <laughs> nah, and he he did have a little moment there towards the end of uh, Game Six too, like it was a, a little uh, fuck up. But like, he, yeah. in general, his his shot has been better. His defense has been great. Um, he's defense making he makes great. good decisions. You know, he makes good decisions. I I'm starting to trust him more, and is at the perfect time. So he's going to come like, in handy. His yeah. skill set's going to come in really handy for this series. Yeah, guys, yeah. give me thirty seconds. You can keep going, but I I do have to go pee real quick. I'll be, I'll be grabbing. Uh, Eli, I want to like just touch on the matchups a little bit. Um, I think Wiggins is probably going to take Tatum a lot more. Uh, and I think Draymond, they've used Draymond similar to how we use Rob Williams. And, and he might have been like one of the original free safeties on defense. And I think that's really interesting. Of uh, Do they hide Draymond on someone like Marcus Smart or someone like when Derek White's in the game and have him be the free safety or, or even Grant Williams? Um yeah. I can see the Warriors saying we are going to sag off of Grant a little bit, um, yeah. make you be Grant Curry again, because uh, I think teams don't fully trust forty-one percent three-point shooter Grant Williams. I still think <laughs> they're kind of like if we have to pick a poison, we'll let it be Grant Williams be the guy that beats us. Um, 
So I wouldn't be surprised if I see him on Grant or see him on Al also kind of like, um, again, in that free safety role, going to have to be able to drive and ditch. And that's one thing I think when the Celtics struggle offensively is when they don't touch the paint and they just pass around the perimeter. Maybe they get an okay shot. um, But like, there's so much that happens in that scramble when you drive into the paint that you can kind of pick and choose your shots. Uh, And I think that is going to be key is if they can drive to the paint, make Draymond collapse, and then they can have those, you know, two passes where they get someone in scrambling and suddenly it's Jalen or Tatum that has a wide open three. Um, I think those are the ways you get really good looks against them. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see who they match up and just how they, you know, both adjust and switch or don't switch. And the Celtics have, you know, this issue of not wanting to switch people on to Curry, on to Poole, even Clay, right? Not wanting to get a big out and, you know, space on Steph ever. But mm-hmm. then at the same time, the Celtics have, you know, present the same sort of difficulty for the Warriors, which is like, sure, but then like, is Wiggins then just getting beat up and trying to fight through like all these um, Horford and Grant screens all game and just isn't a factor offensively at all because he's chasing Tatum around. Um, So it'll be interesting to see both like the primary matchups and then the defenses and how they adjust. And of course the Celtics switch, you know, have switched everything to most things they've adjusted in the playoffs um, to not straight up switching everything, of course, yeah. uh, game and series by series. So in the Warriors series, it'll be interesting to see how they handle both, you know, the guys they want, you know, they want to keep Marcus on Steph or whatever matchup they're trying to uh, force the issue on. And of course, Marcus is going to be fighting over screens all night for most of these games. But then on the other side, who... Like, you know, how are they going to handle offensive, you know, or defensive issues? Because the Celtics can go right at Steph or Clay in switches. Like Tatum and Jalen can just both physically overwhelm them now this stage in their careers. Um, Also, I just, yeah, I I hear you 100%. Um, I'm actually feeling... And this is very rare for me. I'm feeling kind of optimistic just about this series because it's like what really was killing us, like obviously it was the Jimmy, but in Miami and, and in Milwaukee, it was it was Bam and it was Giannis, these big, powerful driving forces that we just in the paint, we were just we had our moments with Horford and, and Rob, you know, handling the paint, but like there were also a lot of moments where we just couldn't stop them. And it's like I don't see Looney being that guy. Draymond's not offensive minded. So like the lack of like a powerful, aggressive, big that can create his own shot is, is is kind of like a relief in my opinion. And obviously they have the perimeter shooting and they have guys who can slash and and create, but I'm talking about size wise and just like dominance wise. I I think that it's it's a bit of relief to not have to deal with a Bam or a Giannis because that shit was stressful, man. Like (laughs) excellent point. Like, thank you. Yeah. KD. I mean, yeah. Yeah. KD. But like, but even more just like, yeah, yeah. But, but, but these, like we're big, but like those guys were just like doing, they're having their way with us. A lot of those series. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. Judd, like uh, the physicality 
is is going to be really like this is a the first series since Brooklyn that I think we have the advantage physical like the physicality yeah. advantage for a more physical team. I thought we did great on Bam by the way. Bam had one went off for one game, um, but going to like like reading like Heat Reddit or Heat blogs, they were like yeah. trade Bam. We need to get rid of Bam because <laughs> oh uh, we'll take him. <laughs> I like Bam. You don't like Bam, Corey? No, no, I do. I think Bam's great. I think Bam's an excellent yeah. defensive player. I think he's a good second or third player on on a contender like he yeah. is. I think you can't ask him to be the offensive guy. Um, yeah. And when, yeah. when when Tyler Hero went down and they didn't have another creator, they tried to give it to Bam. He just kind of he kind of froze up a lot. Um, so, but that that beside the point. Uh, physically speaking, this is also the first series that the Golden State is facing a really, really physical team. The Memphis series was physical in that there were like isolated plays that were very like dirty plays, like Dylan Brooks play or something like that. But as a series, it wasn't super physical. This is one where they're going to have, they're going to be like, Steph's going to be grabbed on the perimeter. He's going to be banged around on the perimeter. And that happens to him in the the finals often. Uh, and, And it is, I'm really interested to see how he responds to that and how the Warriors respond to the upped physicality that the Celtics have. Great point, Corey. And I, I agree. I'm I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic about R3 of Smart, Brown, and Tatum with Al Horford being the X factor and also the supporting players as well versus the supporting players of the Warriors. And I do think there's something to be said too when Corey brings up this notion of having the physical edge or physicality edge, the matchups that the Warriors have faced leading up to this, where it was really more about one guy, you know, like taking out Jaw or taking out Luca. Now they're facing really a different style. There's multiple people who can beat you. And I think we have to really use that to our advantage to cause Steph as many problems as possible on defense. We possibly can. And like Eli was saying, just sort of finding the matchups that hurt them defensively. Yeah. How you feeling, Eli? <laughs> well, you know, and to your point about this team versus the original Warriors runs, um, this team is is a different team, and uh, it's not the same team, though there are a lot of the similar faces. And we mentioned Poole, and, you know, there's Kaminga, and Moody and Wiseman isn't even playing really. Um, so they have a lot of young guys and this is a, a new, you know, sort of iteration of a team that rebounded super quickly. And in a way, the, so are the Celtics, right? Like, because they're 2018 versus 2020 bubble versus this team. Um, they're, a lot of the supporting, you know, a lot of the like four through 10 guys are different year in, year out, time in, time out. So it's similar in a way in that the Celtics have had so much success getting to the Eastern Conference Finals, but now to the finals, right? It's the first for this group, whereas the Warriors, it's the sixth in eight years. And so the core guys of Steph, Clay, Draymond that have been to all those um, you know, technically Iguodala's on this team. I don't know if he'll play much in the finals. Um, Looney's been there now a few years. 
you got a few other guys that have been there more than just the last couple of years, but they've rebuilt really quickly from, you know, missing clay for those couple of years and missing Steph uh, briefly. And just that injury riddled couple of years that saw them fall all the way down to the lottery and then reload and re-rise back to yeah. the finals. Yeah. 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 Uh, I think that's the big, Oh, go ahead, Corey. Please. Like no, I was just gonna say, I think that's the biggest X factor is like, can they figure out, can they really like go back to who they, who they were or did they, did have they fallen off? Like on that stage? Um, we don't know because during the regular season, they were never whole. Clay still getting his legs back. Um, can they figure it out for the finals? But I don't, also don't like to say that because I also like to put the onus on us and like, yeah. you know, empower us to like handle our destiny. But I do think that obviously it's just going to play a huge role. It's like, are these the warriors that we, we once knew or are these like, is this just going to be like, you know, uh, uncle Rico, you know, from Napoleon Dynamite trying to throw the football over the mountains. It's not, it's not Uncle Rico. No. These, these no. guys are good. Like, yeah. like Eli was saying, and I, I love it, man. It, it is a different iteration. It is not the Warriors that we did know from that original dynasty. Um, but there's so much just like institutional knowledge that goes into their system now. They've been together for so long. Um, they're now, they're, they're the wily vets that are like kind of tasting that last bit of glory. And the personnel has changed such that they now are an elite defensive team. I, 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 right. If we're, asking, if we're, if we're hoping that the Warriors don't show up and that's how we win the series. <laughs> no, no. Right. So, and twice you said it, man, yeah. if the bonus is on us, the Celtics, yeah. I think like, like with both teams playing their best, if both teams are at their best playing their best basketball, I think the Celtics are a little bit better than the Warriors, um, but it's it's like a razor thin edge, um, and so it is gonna it it is gonna be interesting. Like I think it's going to be a, a really banger of a series, and I think it's going to be even the, the toughest series that we face. Uh, and the first series of the playoffs, where there are points in the games where we're not a hundred percent sure that the Celtics are a better team, because even when the Celtics were playing like dog shit against. Miami or Milwaukee, we could still just look at them and be like, well, we're better. We just yeah. playing like dog shit. And I think yeah. there are going to be times where we're like, man, we're playing really well. And Golden State is hanging and they're right there. Yeah. Um, also, I'm really, really curious to see how home court advantage plays in. Um, I think it really helped us against the Bucks. Against the Heat, didn't seem to matter. We won, th- <laughs> we won three games uh, in Miami and uh, we yeah. lost whatever three uh two or three at home or whatever and it's like um they have the home court advantage um you know that arena probably will get loud um not as loud as oracle did eli did you ever go when you were out there yeah i went to a couple games at oracle yeah i went to one at oracle back when like it was like monte ellis playing and then i went to chase oh no i never went to chase i went to like a, a, a late game at oracle as well i never went to the yeah. chase center in san francisco i heard it doesn't get as rowdy i know we we get rowdy it's like we need to i want the celtics to um i want the celtics to satisfy the home crowd and, and get them back on board because game six was it was crippling man like mm-hmm. Corey and i watched it together in person uh first game we watched together in a while um 
And it was it was a heartbreaker, as as we all know. And it's like I just feel like the home crowd deserves like deserves us, you know, you know, showing up, showing up and handling business at home, utilizing the sixth man that is the Fleet Center. I mean, the TD Bank North Guardian. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It is rough to see them, especially in those potentially clinching games at home and like you said sort of always had the sense that every game even if we were down we were still able to come back and take it and we are gonna have to fight back from you know deficits and scoring runs by the Warriors and I think in addition to that what'll be interesting is to see how well they can sort of counterpunch and also sort of beat the Warriors at their game. And one thing that we may have referenced a while back was sort of, you know, the Warriors had the old death lineup, they used to call it. And that was like the ushering in of the current sort of position list, um, no big men basketball. And now I think if you look at the five-man closing lineups, I think defensively especially ours is more of a lineup of death and so how are they going to actually react when it's really hard to even get their threes off still against like this closing lineup and i'm not saying that's going to necessarily happen the warriors are certainly the champ and we might be getting rope doped uh by you know and an aging ali just by thinking anything is going to be easy However, I do think our defense has gotten us this far. So there's no reason to think that like it's going to all of a sudden not work against the Warriors because they shoot a lot of threes. Cool. Like yeah. that's Miami's strategy. And, you know, we still yeah. last to them. I think another thing to point out just to your point is that, uh, you know, when it comes to defense, um, we have the younger stars. So like, they have young players, athletic players that can run, can move, but like our young players are our stars, you know, like, so like, I think that, that hopefully legs come into play here, you know, like, and hopefully we can uh, outrun them and, and out D them, you know, um, because of our youth, you know, our, our strong young legs, you know, um, these guys have proved, uh, they've been playing tons of minutes um, they've been playing every other night, but they've been showing up. Um, and I, I just want to see that continue to happen. It's another thing that's making me a little optimistic. It's like, yes, they have some of the best stars of all time. Little older, little older, long, like their series weren't that long or that difficult. Um, who'd they play? The Mavs? Who'd they play? The, the Grizzlies and then Grizzlies. the Grizzlies series got a little weird for them a little bit, but it's like, you know, it's like, but uh, hopefully, starting to get a little tired, man. I'm 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 37. I'm tired. I'm just sitting here. I'm tired. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, Jed. I want like, I feel like there's like three or four things I I, I wanted to address. You guys say because you said a lot. <laughs> cool. Like, um, with the with the fatigue factor, I think it cuts both ways. I think, um, uh, Golden State plays deeper than us. They have more guys in their rotation that will play. Mm. Um, we really were cut down to seven guys. I think we can maybe go up to nine if uh, 
if Ime wants Jed to throw up and have put in Tice for a few minutes. I knew you were going to mention Tice. <laughs> no, like, the only guy mentioning Tice. Tice is not going to be a factor in the series, or God, I hope not. Um, like It's a seven-man rotation. The, the, the Warriors have more guys. Um, but the Celtics went into the Heat series, and people were like, the Celtics are going to be tired. The Celtics are going to be worn down. 48 minutes of playing with the Celtics, and suddenly that flipped, and the Heat were the more worn-down team just because of how physical we are. And um, so I think that that's going to come into play for Golden State. Um, Eli, you were talking – I'm sorry, I'm going to just do a bullet point of three things that I really wanted to do say it. what you guys yeah. said. Um, you were talking about their defense, right, um, and how that can kind of keep us in it and kind of keep us rolling. And I think that the difference between – and and how we've changed. And the difference between this year and the Brad Stevens era is the difference between having a really good defense – and having a historically elite defense. Um, whereas in the Stevens era, we had a, a top five defense most of the time. Um, but we have a defense that can go in and hang with anybody and they can go into the road, onto the road and just shut people down. That's why we're so good on the road. Um, I think we've been seven and two on the road in the playoffs um, because defense travels better than shooting. And so like mm. that ability has, has been able to go in and shut teams down even when offensively it's not ticking, right? It gives us options so that like for us to win, it's not like this needs to happen and this needs to happen and this needs to happen. It's more like it changes those ands to ors. Like like Tatum needs to go off and Brown needs to go off or the defense needs to just play up to their ability and we can still win the game. Um, And so that's the other thing was like the home court advantage. I think that home court is not that big of a deal for the Celtics because of that defense, because they kind of pride themselves on being able all half, second half of the season. Like if you look at their defense and net rating, it's one of the best of all time on the road. It's like, it's, it's absolutely insane. Um, so I think that they can go in. I think they'll steal one uh, at chase. Um, I think they're liable to give one away in Boston. Um, but I do think that, that we're definitely not going to see a, you know, go to chalk based on home road. No. No, it's unlikely. Yeah. Oh, good points, man. I think and you just made me realize something. So Jimmy Butler shot. Um, he front rimmed it. Oof. And that man, he gave everything he had to that series. Um, like I like I already pointed out, he's brilliant, but like you front rim when your legs are tired, man. I mean, that's what you know, and hopefully yeah. hopefully we can wear the Warriors down in a similar way. At, at, at the I, moments where it counts. Yeah, I agree with everything Corey said. And Jason and Jalen need to hold on to the ball. They have to. They mm. have to. They have to do it better in this final series than they've been doing it. The ball handling. Yeah, that's my own. One thing I will say that the Heat were the best team in the league at forcing turnovers this year. Mm. Um, that's that is their strength. That's their calling card. Uh, Warriors are middle of the pack. Um, and the Warriors, I know you guys don't do a lot of stats. I'm like, uh, I have a mild case of statitis. Judd will tell you, um, the Warriors were second to last. They gave up, they had them gave up the most turnovers. Um, they turned the ball over a lot. So yeah, they always have. Yeah. For whatever I mean, reason. That's part of the beautiful Hallmark. game, I guess, right? Cause they make, they make aggressive passes. They try to take advantage of little, like they, you know, little advantages. They try to, they try to hammer home. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the turnover game, I think, is going to look better for the Celtics this series. I'm less worried about that than, than the Heat. Um, and I was encouraged by Jalen after 
that horrible start in game five where he had four turnovers in the first quarter. Yeah. yeah. Tightened it up. And he had turnovers, but most of them were dead ball turnovers after that, like like charges, stuff like that. There weren't a lot of live ball turnovers from Jalen after yeah. like apparently Eme just like had a just like went to him and was like, You need to stop turning the ball over. Know that they're coming around, they're hacking at, you know, and he's like, You need to stop this specifically. Yeah. And so you can see that those guys are so teachable still, both yeah. under 20 or both 25 and under. And to think that they've gotten this far and where, you know, slightly handicapping the finals for them between us, probably, but we're not experts. Um, but that it's just obviously a very competitive series by all accounts. And they have a great chance of winning based on their defense to think they've gotten this far and we're not getting the full offensive dominance, the full late game management and ability by their two stars. We're still like falling into habits from years and years prior. We're still, <clears throat> excuse me. We're still in a way like not the optimized version that we can be. And timeline wise, your peak isn't actually supposed to be till you're 27, I believe. So that makes sense in a way that Tatum, you know, and to some degree, even Jalen are just younger than just below their like peak peak. Um, but we need to see them and especially Tatum with the ball in his hands at the end of games and not Marcus Marcus. <laughs> and I know like, you know, lots of other people have been hammering on this point because of, you know, the way game seven closed specifically, but just in general, it's like, yeah, but or how about this? Up. You, you double Jason. They the double Jason. Sure. Maybe give it to Jalen. Yeah, and even if you have to like give it to Marcus, who hands it off to Jalen Brown. Jalen, drop yeah. that motion or that play or that pick and roll to get him. Or the ball dump it to Al. And then Tatum moves, and then Jalen finds him for an open basket. And well, pretty much anybody but Marcus. And the Marcus just wearing down the shot clock to run down the time with leads. Like that's also someone on Udoka and mm -hmm. that's still hasn't been working. And I think there's culpability from, you know, the star to the coach to Marcus who has been so good at staying in his role, but then the seconds and minutes when he doesn't, it's near disaster every time game seven being a great example. So we need him in that role because we need, Tatum to be ready and clear the coaching to be clear Jalen to be ready when Tatum gets doubled to take over. Like we need that to happen consistently to close games. And yet here we are going to the finals with a good shot. So it is this really, uh, I feel like intense juxtaposition that we have to acknowledge, which is these two young players haven't nearly hit their ceiling and yet they're, you know, even to slight underdogs betting wise, but in our minds, slight favorites, even potentially in the NBA finals right now. I will say one thing too, mm -hmm. um, I think is going to be incredibly important beyond just holding on to the ball and beyond just not letting Marcus sabotage us offensively at the end. I think we need to really pay attention to the boards. Um, Looney, Draymond, and all the guards on Golden State can rebound. Um, yeah. Watch out for those offensive rebounds coming from Golden State. Box, box out, crash the boards, protect the basketball. 
please. Thank you. <laughs> this has been the PSA from Justin Fleischer. Yeah, no, it's, it's <laughs> it, it, to whoever's listening who has influence in this matter. Can we please get the boards? Thank you. Please. Yeah. And everyone on this team that's returning next season will be required to go to a mandatory Steph Curry dribbling camp. <laughs> uh, I don't know if people want to offer us that service. Yeah. It seems that they played the last two series with like with nine lives. They had a lot of room for error. How much room do they have in this final series? Do you think? It's a really good question. I don't think that very little. Golden, yeah, I don't no. I don't think Golden State's of the mindset that they, they're gonna be making many mistakes, man, because they've been there. You know, they have the mental toughness. Um, they're not going to be scared. We don't have much margin for error there. Like we're not, I don't think we're going to see those because the games where the Celtics won for the most part, they really stomped Miami and Milwaukee. Um, I don't think we're going to see that as much. Uh, so we're not, there's so games where, which they would be up 20, 25 at a certain point and then let the really kind of dwindle. I don't know if we're going to see that as much. Um, and if we do, I mean, to be fair, Golden State has laid a couple of eggs, but they're usually those eggs where they're like up three two or they're three one, and they feel like pretty comfortable. Um, but we, the problem is, is that we might there might there might be a game where we play really well and lose, um, and that hasn't been the case at all this playoffs yet. Um, and I think that that like, and I think the Celtics always felt supremely confident in the last two series because they were always just like, if we play well, we win you know, there's not really that much of a question. Um, the closest I would say is I think we played well in game six of the Miami series um, and lost that one, but we still were not at our top because the second half Jalen and, and Jason just disappeared. Um, but we played better than the terrible games that we played. Uh, but I think that we have the potential to play well and lose, which means we need to play well for more than four games out of the series. Um which it feels like we played well. We played well for four games in the Miami series, four games in the Milwaukee series, four games in the Nets series. It just happened to be four games in a row. So um, we need five or six really, really top games. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. That's a good point for sure. Yeah. Hopefully we have them. And I think everyone feels like it's going to be competitive. Right. And I don't think any of us, at least non-experts, would be surprised if it went seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't think, know if I can handle another seven-game series. I got a lot yeah. of stuff going on in my life that would like, <laughs> cripple me. I'm not hoping for it. I'm not hoping for seven, but I do think it could go seven. And because of things we said earlier, I think they are positioned well to win Game Seven in San Francisco if that's what it takes. Right? Like they are a great road team. Um, you know, who knows how loud it'll be loud enough. I'm sure, but they are a great road team. They're not afraid to go in there and win. Let's hope though, that, uh, they can get it done sooner. Four seems a little ambitious. So maybe six, (laughs) you know, a sneaky little fun fact, uh, Jalen, uh, went to, uh, Cal Berkeley. Indeed, he did. He was, he was at home out there. A little fun fact. Wake up the echoes. Friends and family out there. Uh, he tweeted about it. Seems seems feel, seems like he feels comfortable. Yeah. I don't know. Just throwing yeah. that out there. Yeah. Every little of course MVP in the series. <laughs> I want to see. I want to see Jalen like really just like he has these mo- 
flashes of brilliance and then he'll just like it's he's yeah. the most bipolar player on our team well obviously he's inspired too but yeah when he's inspired yeah like, i don't know if there's a, it doesn't look like there's anyone better than so Corey, wait what was yeah. the game we did watch together it was game we watched game three together I'm three sure. not six okay so they, in game they just three, down so big early yeah but like, jalen jalen showed up starting he had like four in a row like he yeah we were like obviously like everyone knew no runs by himself right he'll have four yeah. to five minutes where he's, he looks like the best player in basketball um I, he he can't sustain it yet and i don't think honestly his trajectory probably is not as the best player on a championship team he's probably slotted in exactly as the role that he should be um as a guy that can take over for certain periods of time when yeah. when you really need a bucket he can do that um, he's just not yeah. get it all the time down the stretch right Right. You can tell that he's a little bit smaller than Tatum because when he has those explosive dunks, it looks so much better than Tatum, right? <laughs> like everyone says now that Tatum's actually 6'10", even though he's listed at like 6'7 <laughs> or 6'8". Tatum's clearly as big as like those big guys Durant. You know, now. Like yeah. Durant, right? He could take yeah. Durant on, head on defensively, but... There's something about Jalen's explosiveness and he's just, you know, slightly smaller. He's more of that like Kobe uh, shooting guard, you know, big two guard mold. That dunk against Miami where Adebayo wasn't even having a piece of it. Defensive player of what? He got the fuck out. <laughs> that was insane. And, and I feel like Tatum, he has lots of highlight plays and dunks, but it's really his like ability to drive his ability to shoot the three over anyone, his ability to shot, make the prettiness of his shot that lasts. Jalen is the more explosive though in bursts player somehow. And it's ridiculous when you have both those guys. And if they are ever really firing together and we get, uh, I believe, didn't they have a 30, 30 game in, they got really close in um, in one or two games where maybe they didn't quite get to 30-30, but they've gotten close to that, that both of them well, Look going at why on. we won game seven. It was because Marcus, Jay, uh, Marcus Jason, and Jalen all showed up and had like 25, 24 to 26-point games. And like that balanced attack, I mean, the game was ugly as hell, but like everyone, those three guys contributing – and and Ime keeping it to a very tight rotation, um, you know that might be a nice formula because it's like when you start experimenting too much, like I feel like sometimes that's when shit gets off, goes off the rails, you know. Um, unfortunately, when we give guys much needed rest, um, so we gotta make sure we don't get into foul trouble. And I don't think we should experiment much. I think we keep a tight rotation, and we 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 trust the guys that if gotten us there you know and it's not i mean and I, that kind of goes without saying it's not really that profound but like no. you know just don't get too to, like, <laughs> well, tyson's been, not the answer tyson they've been yeah. battling health you know Corey, i had to get a little bit no tyson no t- you want to see a box and one or anything like that in this series no yet? i don't want to see like a you know a one three one i don't want to see any any uh you know trapped no just stick to what has been working I mean, there is, you know, there is a chance uh, we see Tyson some minutes against Looney if, you know, there's foul trouble for Al or Grant's getting beat up. There's a chance, right? And there's hopefully uh, what we see more of, though, is a healthy Rob, 
uh, a fully healthy Marcus. Like if they have their top seven, eight guys healthy, then whoever is nine doesn't matter, you know, Mm -hmm. and Pritchard, as we mentioned before, hopefully he does get, you know, in the Milwaukee series, he had a more significant role, something more like that and can spell, you know, backup ball handler minutes from white and save, you know, him and, or one of the Jays handling in those minutes, like it'd be great. And golden state's not going to have the same players as Miami to full court press to smack it. You know, they don't have all those guys though. They might have Gary Payton, the second defensive player, which would be great for them, especially because of the awful story uh, with the Dylan Brooks foul which I think we all can agree was heinous and should be more severely punished than one, one game suspension. And especially in light of stuff like the Grayson Allen foul on Alex Caruso, which ultimately derailed his season and yeah, reckless play. We're never a fan of that here at Celtic strong. So uh, we hope we have a clean series and a tough physical series because we match up well on the physicality side, but yeah, the exact rotations um they will be tight for sure uh, on both sides and we have yeah we have a good shot and especially if rob is uh you know healthier progressively um or can just build up to a consistent 20 really good minutes a night you know interspersed with grant and al and that big man rotation yeah every round we've stepped up so now we just need to step up again (laughs) <laughs> hey man Ime man I gotta say man I just I you know obviously it's the players that make make this happen but what a, what an incredibly effective leader he's been like I just really love his presence I don't know much about the guy I don't know really much about his coaching style either I just see the results and I see his poise you know yeah. and I, I'm just really I'm really in awe of, of what he's been able to accomplish first year as a head coach like let's not understate that no that's amazing. And especially with the rocky start. Yep, Could have yep. easily buckled, but he had this like long-term plan. You got to respect a guy who, who has like that vision, you know, like, all right, like we can take these L's now if it means we can get these W's later. And like, I think he, he's proven that it's, it's really crazy. No matter what happens, honestly, as much as I want the chip, it's like, yeah, he's, he's done incredible things already. Really like, has. I just have one more thing I want to say, like for my parting shot of um yeah, like we talked we talked I talked a little last time about the 2014-15 Warriors. They were that team, I think was either the first or the second team in NBA history to win a championship without any players playing, having any finals experience. Um, the Celtics don't have anybody with any finals experience on this roster. I think it'd be really fitting if they win this series, like kind of being, I, I'm pretty sure it'd be the second team. It might be the third team to ever do that um, by beating the same Warriors squad. So um, I think that would be an awesome way to kick off the Celtics dynasty. Let's go. <laughs> yes. I really, really wanted this to happen when I was still living in San Francisco and it came so close a couple times, right? Like Eastern conference finals near misses, yeah, finally has happened. And yeah, a lot of great, great points that bring up uh, important things, but also hope in the younger, more physical, hopefully stronger, longer, mentally tough Boston Celtics. So any last uh, 
thoughts or well wishes for the team before we press play on the finals? Let's, Let's go. go. <laughs> Let's uh, go for it. It's time right. to show up. It's time to show up and just do yeah. what we've been doing and do it stronger and do it bigger. And, you know, I, that's all I got to say. It's not, it's just, it's time for action. It's the time. Yeah. It's not time for words, even though we just spent 90 minutes talking. <laughs> yes, indeed. Al is what I say. He's only got maybe two more rodeos left. He's, you know, took him this long to get here. I'd love to see him win it for him. For real. What is it about giant Dominican men that just bring joy to Boston and uh, can break any curses or hurdles needed? Uh, I think they're like almost exactly the same size, right? Poppy and Al? Uh, I mean, Al's got him in height a little. Poppy's got him in, yeah. in width a Girl. little. But yeah, uh, 200 plus pound uh, Dominican sports stars thrive in Boston for some reason in our, our lifetime. So uh, big ups to big Al. Let's win one for him and, uh, and Marcus and the two. And Tommy Heinsohn. And Tommy, Tommy, rest in peace. Yeah. Tommy Tommy loved Marcus board, so much. Yeah. Well, thanks everyone for joining us again for this discussion. And thanks to all our listeners who have stayed this long uh, on this podcast. Go Celtics. Go Celtics. Go Celtics. Go Celtics. Go Celtics. Go Celtics.